Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Welcome to Guys Who Like Musicals. I'm Welcome oh, to so, Guys oh, Who Like Musicals. Shit. Wait. <laughs> wait. Wait. Is that? That's not. Is that what happened? That's what happening, Dan. What's going on? Kind of. <laughs> this is three guys who likes mu- musicals today. This is the guys who like musicals double feature, kind of, right? Yeah. Yeah. The trifecta. <laughs> I have no idea how we're supposed to start this, so I yeah, guess right. we've started. Uh, yeah, that's it's what I'm done. Mean, <laughs> we started it the way we usually start, which is, <laughs> you know, I, we didn't tell you at all. We didn't ask you what you wanted to do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I appreciate that. I appreciate Just shoot that. Shoot from the hip. Shoot from the hip. That's what it should be. Um, yeah. So for those listening, welcome to a very special, strange and weird crossover episode. Here you go. One, two, three. Is, is this is this like like The Simpsons and Futurama right now? Can we equate ourselves? <laughs> can we put ourselves on that level? We, I, we've got yeah. right. Rick and Morty are about to make their appearance. Yeah, it's like it's like the universe of the of SVU and Chicago Med Fire. Yeah, PD. It's any the of Dick those Wolf crossover special. Yeah, yeah. Or oh, ooh, better yet, the um, what's the one up in uh, that our Carlos is on? Um, the Flash. It's oh, the Flash. The Flash. And Arrow. You know, and Supergirl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the Dave Rappaport universe. But also, while we're doing this, is he frozen? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Alan's Alan's video is frozen. You'd think that after a year of this nonsense, that like it would get easier. But like, we still don't know no. how to use any of these platforms that we're using to make a living. <laughs> I'm so sorry. L- I'm sorry. We. <laughs> I mean, you're you're the one that just had a mic issue for 20 minutes before we started this for thing, the first so. time. That's you, true. That's true. You that, can. You, this must be a good day for you. Joe wins this one, everyone. I know exactly. That is part of our show, Alan. Um, that that we continue. You know, Dan and I, you know, treat each. We we rib each other constantly. So we love each other very much. But it might sound like we hate each other. Well, how do you? How did you guys meet? Tell me that story because you don't have any Broadway credits. The same, right? No. Nope. Yeah. No. We not met in yet. college. Not not yet. Um, we uh, we met in college. Um, Dan was a year below me at University of Michigan, um, and uh, honestly, we were we were friends. We were friendly, but it wasn't. I feel like we didn't really become tight until like my senior year, almost going out of my senior year, where like we became. We were like we really sort of hit on at least how I remember it. It was golf. Golf was one. We used to play golf. We were kind of friends, kind of, but friends, it was yeah. the, you know, kind of friends. Also, like, you know how musical theater programs are. We were always doing the same track. We were, they were like in the same pigeonhole that we were supposed to be the same person, which is hilarious now looking back because we couldn't be more different. And then it was driving to the Muni for auditions for the Muni. Yes, my junior year. And we were in the car, Alan, and we were talking about the future of content and entertainment. And I was pitching Joe on how I believed that there was not going to be any cable uh, networks anymore. Everything was going to be streaming. Netflix is the future. And I pitched him on this idea that I have for a not-for-profit, which I won't get into here. But And he was like, and that was the first time that we basically, that was like our essentially our first writing session. 
Yeah. It was like us kind of coming together as like one mind and being like, oh, okay, we actually have a lot of the same ideas about the world. And yeah. then from then on, we were like really close friends. That was spring of his senior year. That's, that's really, a, yeah, that's exactly it. I remember that it was a long drive. It was, it was a like nine and 40, 10 hour yeah. drive. Alex yeah. was asleep in the back seat. And we are up in the front seat. And basically the whole idea stem, we don't need to go into it too much, but it was, a, we basically were, we were both obsessed with Joe Papp and the, the yep. his legacy in the theater. And so we were talking about like why we couldn't do something like what Joe Papp did for theater, but do it for television and film. And so we're trying, that gave away my idea, Joe. No, just, they gave away my, nothing. Alan, that is my million dollar idea that he has just <laughs> given away on the internet. What what have we learned in our writing, Dan? What do what we what we know in You're our right. writing You're is right. that no one You're can right. make the idea the way you can make the idea. We need to You're pitch right. all of our ideas constantly. And then Alan no. can sit here and be like, hey guys, I don't get it. And then we can say, listen, here's okay. No one's gonna steal our idea. <laughs> is that fine? Is, <laughs> It's a, it's it's your personal touch that makes it work. Otherwise, yeah. otherwise it's just not going to happen. And okay, so right. so driving, Alex is in the back seat. Everything's fine. You come back and you start writing. And and so coming to New York and everything. Uh, what did did you did you guys keep in touch? I mean, obviously you did. But were you close, or was that the point after college when you like, you know, Joe, you came to the city and you're like, I'm a BMOC now. I'm the big man. You know, hire me. And uh, I mean, when did the paths start to to reconverge, or did they yeah. ever diverge? I don't think they ever diverged. They never really didn't after that because we we kept in pretty constant touch. And I will say that Dan was the person who I have always had and had a had a block as far as a a creator of things. Um, I I like to be an interpreter. I like for somebody to give me a script or give me a song and I'm going to go do my thing. That's where I'm the most comfortable. When I have to make my own things, I am uncomfortable. I don't like it. It's incredibly vulnerable. And Dan has always been the guy who's like, let's do it. Let's write the thing. Let's make the thing. Let's do, let's, let's make the podcast. Let's write the, the script. Let's do the thing. And I am also here being like, you know, okay. <laughs> so what's cool about looking back on it is like that, that was, that never stopped. Dan would always, he, he'd call with ideas. Hey, what if we did this? What if we did that? What if we, you know, and that has been a constant in our life for the last, you know, nine years, nine to 10 years since of, of just. Yeah. We never really disconnected. Yeah. I think, uh, Joe went and worked on his first Broadway show right out of school. And then he came back and we had lunch in, it's some restaurant on main street, Joe, not main street. It was like the street off of state. It was like the the one that you went east Liberty? and west, is that north and south. Uh, maybe, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a, some okay. restaurant in Liberty, and you told me that you booked Romeo and Juliet from an EPA, and you bought my lunch, and I was like, this guy's great. He bought my lunch. <laughs> um, so basically, I have been working as a, a video freelancer. I'm kind of building out my video production business as we speak, and Joe is actually helping me with that. So now we have like nine businesses together, which is hilarious and uh, and funny, which is why we're always making fun of each other on the show because we can't stand each other most of the time but yeah. I had all of this gear because I was shooting all of these videos for people so I had a similar cardioid microphone to the one you're using Alan and I had a pencil microphone that I was using to do uh, my like boom micing for video work and I had these two things sitting around and I had actually had an idea for a podcast 
In 2016, I interviewed Jim J. Bullock in my hotel room on my voice memos on my phone about his career because he was a very successful sitcom actor in the 80s and he was in Kinky Boots with me. And I was like, you know, I don't really know. I like didn't even know what podcasting was at that time. I don't know why I did that. But I think back on that now and I'm like, I should pull that out of the woodwork and see if that would make a good episode or somehow. But the idea for the podcast was mine, but you came up with the name. Is that what we've we've decided? Yeah, that's what that's what we've settled on. That's that's how the story goes. Um, <laughs> was that you you came to me and you were like, I want to start a podcast. I have the, I have the gear. It was like a chicken or the egg conversation. It was like you know I have the stuff. So if I have the stuff, let's let's do something. And we were coming up with you know what could we what could we do what could we do? And I was like, Dan, we're just a couple of guys who like musicals. What if we just talked about musicals? And called it guys who like musicals. And Dan was like, I <laughs> think you wanted it to be something more important. You wanted it to sound like, <laughs> like, you know, the backstage experience, the, you know, the Broadway no, behind had, the we curtain. Had a list of, and I was, <laughs> we had a list of words. It was like Broadway talk podcast. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was trying to put all those things together. And guys who like musicals was just too good. It was like told you, you exactly yeah. what it was. Yeah. Which I think is the best title. Yeah, so well, so that's how I was born. It, it my, mine's even more generic and lame. If no, like not, it's exactly what no, you it want. No, it tells you exactly if, what it is. If you want a theater podcast, you go to Alan Seals Theater Podcast. <laughs> like it's just I, honestly, like that's. Did you have to like fight people for that domain? You know, that's no. like one of those things. It's like I can't believe this didn't exist already. No, no, and that's why I chose it because I was looking. I was like, "Curtain call pocket." No, that exists. All right, backstage. What up? No, that's taken. Um, uh, uh, spotlight. You know, I was looking for all these theatery related sort of things, and then I was just like, "Okay, the theater podcast." And I registered both theater T R E and T E R. There were both available, mm-hmm. and and I was like, Very "I guess smart. that's my name. Guess that's my name now." But. But now, yeah, that so that's what I'm that's what I'm sticking with, and and I'm finding myself sort of at a at a an existential crisis that that I don't know if you found yourself in, being that you are guys who like musicals, but you're also I suspect guys who like TV shows and guys who like movies and other things, right? So now I'm getting into interviewing people who are more than just Broadway people, and from a press perspective right it's like how do you have a tv star on the theater podcast so i'm i you know i'm like do i change the name but it's branding but it's years of work and i'm just i you know i lose sleep over this sometimes how did you start yours like because i i would love just because this is the riverdale crossover episode um you interviewed me for your for for the theater podcast back uh when i was doing frozen we met yeah back doing a google talk for bandstand how mm-hmm. did all this start for you? Oh gosh! Well, how far back do you want me to start in my origin story? I got a computer science degree. Your parents <laughs> went on a date, and I, I assume so. <laughs> my, my my mother when I was when I was in high school, my mother whips out a, a photo of me or a photo of her, and she's like, "You're about a day old in the, or a day old inside inside me in this picture." And I was like, "Come on, oh, mom, 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 mom." mom. 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 Uh, that so, means the day before ew. yeah yeah we, we got yeah, it so I, I know that's why you make fun it's <laughs> i was conceived on a road trip in washington state 
Unbelievable. Um, yeah, that's about wow. as far back. That's as much as I want to know. Uh, right. So anyway, yeah. So uh, I'll, I'll leave out some unimportant stuff. Yeah. So I grew up um, <laughs> unimportant. Well, my blood type is. Right. So I grew up in in North Carolina. Was always doing chorus, singing, acting dancing as much as i could but i always had this other half of my brain that was that just couldn't stop taking apart things and building and the electronics engineering side so my parents gave me some advice that i listened to which was you can act with a computer science degree but you can't do computer science with an acting degree and wow. so basically I, <laughs> wow that's right? good that's right? a good one <laughs> that that hurts <laughs> Yeah, hurts. <laughs> yes. I'm like, ow. Yeah. <laughs> yes, right. yes. Right. That's like, like for ninety nine percent of your listeners, that sounds really. Oh, how wise your parents were wise, and for the two guys you're talking to, they want to go jump off a bridge. <laughs> it just hurts. <laughs> but it's funny. It's funny you brought up Google Talks, right? So, so okay. Uh, let me skip over some stuff. So, computer science degree, and then with my computer science degree, I got out of college and became a professional actor with said computer science degree. And then moved to New York in 2007 during the writer's strike, fell back. I did my fallback, went back on computers. Yeah. And then that's when I actually moved to New York was during that time. And, uh, and I was doing regional theater until then and have never auditioned a day in my life in New York. And I've been here coming up on 13 years, I think. Just hit 13 wow. years. So and then in my computer career. Um, worked for Thomson Reuters for a while, did some post-production work at a studio in there. I was running their IT department and then found my way now at Google as an engineer. And then the talks at Google program, which is like internal Ted talks for, mm -hmm. for Google. Um, I ended up, I found myself running that program on a global scale. And one of the things I wanted to do was bring in Broadway cast because no one was doing that. And one of the f literally, the first one I brought in was Cinderella um, with Santino and mm -hmm. Laura Osnes. And, uh, and then from there, it was just the snowball effect and, and ended up bringing in Bandstand, which Joe was in, and that's when we met, and that was years and years and years ago. So through all of this, my, I found the love of bringing information to the world and educating the world and, and peeling back the layers of people that in exposing things, not in a bad way, but just stuff you didn't know about individuals, like getting that right, out there right, was right, so right. appealing and so satisfying to me. And it became a bit of a catharsis in a therapeutic sort of way for me to like share problems with people that, you know, you don't normally think of them as humans. Everybody poops, but you don't talk right. about pooping. So why right. not talk about pooping? Right. I mean, not literally, but yeah, metaphorically. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. The metaphor. So, you you could have picked anything, but like, you know, that's that's a pretty popular children's book, I think, right? <laughs> <laughs> so um so in in growing the talks program, the more I grew, the more I led, the the less day-to-day -day I was involved with, which meant the less moderation, less planning of events. And I sort of started to miss the whole face to face like this and having long form right. conversations. And so I was just I couldn't sleep one night and, and I was, it was like, it was literally like three in the morning. I couldn't sleep. I was like, you know what? I'm going to try this podcast thing. It was a couple of years ago and I couldn't find any podcasts. I was just searching for Broadway in Apple podcasts and I couldn't find anything that was actively releasing anything that was new content. So I mm -hmm. said, all right, I guess, and this is literally all within a span of like 15 minutes. 
I was like, okay, well, maybe, oh, I know people now through through all of this. Maybe I'll uh, I'll start my own. And so that's when I when I go daddy on my phone, I was looking for domain names, thinking of names. And that's what I found. The theater was available. And I was like, I guess that's the name of my podcast now. And then I just texted a bunch of people that I knew. And Andy and Orfe were literally my first interviews. And Wes Taylor and some others that I had met um, in the years of being in New York and being, you know, in this industry. And and away it went. So that was Gosh, Ariana DeBose was my first published interview. Andy and Orfe were my first actual interviews timeline-wise. And yeah, it's just been a, a roller coaster ride ever since. So it's wow. and through that is how I met through through uh, is how I met Dory Berenstein, which is how the Broadway Podcast Network all came about. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. you guys put together in 2018. We so 19? I interviewed her. I interviewed her for my podcast. December 2019 by January 20 no 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 sorry December 2018 by January 2019 we were already up and running on, off on our business plan uh started secretly uh not secretly just you know you you don't announce things yet we were building the network and building the website by early summer October 2018 it launched that was our official big launch um we had a big old party at Sardi's and mm -hmm. then uh yeah, so that was that was October 2019. Everything's going super great, getting stuff, and then the global pandemic hits. And here we are. And here we are. And here we are. Broadway shuts down. You and know, we were tracking it live. Tracking That's it been crazy, right? <laughs> that is that is crazy. And you know what? I haven't actually gone back and listened to the people that we were talking to, Dan, around you know, February and March of this year because I know that one of the things and we talked about this on our show is that we we felt so handicapped as so many people did uh, to create content. We were like we don't want to go to our friends cuz because our I mean these are all friends and colleagues. Yeah. Like we we're not, we don't want to say like hey do you want to come on our show and talk about why you love music musicals when there's no musicals in sight. You know. Right. So that was that was a really that was a, a learning thing over the summer for sure but to get to track it and to get to track like how people are dealing with it and where they are and i mean i remember when we talked to robin herder dan before she was nominated for a tony there was still this feeling of like you know they were just their bodies were recovering from doing moulin rouge eight times a week Mm -hmm. And they were still, and so she was like, you know, their time, you know, time with my son and my body, you know, I'm able to heal because my body is, in, is, is, is being destroyed. And, and, and that was, you know, I forget exactly when we did that. I think it was June. I think that was something. May. May, you we, know, we may have released it in June, but we did the yeah. interview in May. Yeah. We did it. Yeah. We were still thinking the end of summer yeah. at that point. You know, I mean, I wasn't. But no, Dan wasn't. Dan wasn't. I have um, been king pessimism. I've been <laughs> the the minute I found out this was happening, I was like, okay, it's gonna be a year and a half. I might as well find another career. Um, I remember when it was I supposed did. to be two weeks, right? No, yeah, it was supposed to be two weeks. I saw I saw the last preview of six on March 11th. They were supposed to open March 12th on the 12th, right? Yeah, yeah March 12th is when Broadway shut down. Five o'clock on the 12th is when it was announced so three hours before their opening night um, crazy that's yeah, crazy. yeah insane and then yeah joe like you were you've been in frozen frozen decided just to close up in the middle of all this yeah which was wild i i felt 
when I've talked about this a bit, but like Frozen was one of the best jobs I've ever had because everybody on that show was just a total pro. They, there was a lot of people who, you know, who had done a bunch of shows and they had families and lives and stuff. And so we just had a great working relationship. Everybody worked hard and everybody went home. It was just like a, one of the best, you know, jobs that I've ever had. And then I, I was not asked to resign. Patty and Casey were not asked to resign. They were going to change over the cast, which long running shows do sometimes. And when they let us know, that was painful in the moment because it was like, you know, hey, maybe I, you know, maybe I would want to stay in Frozen for another year, you know, or whatever. But it was like, no, you know, Wait, okay, so, so, so this conversation was happening. So March 12th, Broadway shuts down. So when is the contract renewal discussion happening? Well, so this was, was before. I, it was, this is way before. So this was back probably in November, oh, October right, of the previous year. So they, they came to us right. and they said, hey, we're going to start looking for some people. Thank you so much for your time, but we're not going to renew your contract. Uh, end of February was when our contracts were up and we were, you know, so we were like, Oh, you know, that was sad, but like we had a great time and Patty and Casey were obviously very emotional because they had created the whole thing. But then we're, we're leaving and we know that we're leaving at the end of February. And when you're leaving a Broadway show and you know that it's closing, you just start, you go into hibernation squirrels with the nuts mode and you're just saving as much money as possible because you have no idea when your next job is going to come. So yeah, we just like batten down the hatches. My wife, Alex, was in Come From Away. She left Come From Away in November. And we were just like, okay, we're going to try to save. Like, you know, we might not have a job for six months. So all of a sudden, Broadway shuts down and the new cast had done two weeks of performances, yeah. two, and a half, two and a half weeks of performances. And everything mm -hmm. shuts down. I We were in such a grateful position because we had been preparing for some type of, we weren't preparing for a year and a half of no income, but right. we, we, we were preparing for six months, you know? So we got through, we're, we're okay. We're keeping our heads above water, but it was like, that was a, that was a wild, a wild gift in all of this. When you just look at like the little gifts where you're like, I can't believe that this in the midst of all of this horror, anything positive that has come from this, just the fact that like Alex and I had a couple of months to prepare was like, mm should not have happened you know what i mean and so many people in our community don't have that so yeah, yeah. i felt the thing, same way that i'd done two years at waitress like leading up to this and right. like i had some friends who had just made their broadway debut in frozen right and hadn't saved any money right right hadn't gotten well, it like i had all this health insurance left over so many people didn't have that and here we all are now a year later that's the part that really <laughs> is upsetting well, what did you pivot to? You said you started a new, a new career. Are you doing more of like full-time video production? Um, well, it, it's a lot of things. Uh, Joe and I first kind of like dug back into our writing. We started writing together in uh, 2016. Uh, Joe was on a hiatus between shows, one of the only periods of his career where he didn't have kind of lots of jobs lined up and and we were trying to figure out, and I was used to that. I've always had, you know, a year and a half between big jobs, so... I'd gotten used to kind of finding my own path and, and we fell into this writing project. We had no idea what we were doing, but we ended up kind of putting something interesting together. It was a TV show about um, a couple of kids at the University of Colorado Boulder who start a brewery in their basement. And in the pilot, this whole like thing happens, this undercover police break into their house and and they use it as a marketing opportunity to build their brand. And it's like a Silicon Valley <laughs> for the everyman is kind of the idea. 
and it's about like kind of the the beer industry and stuff. And and that was our first pro- project we wrote together, and we ended up pitching it to Comedy Central in 2016. And then we didn't do anything else. <laughs> we didn't write again for. Th- th- four years and then a global pandemic hit we had built a podcast at that point and done some video projects here and there together but nothing really substantial and then we jumped back into it in in 2020 and started working on uh, another television show which we've talked about now a couple times on the podcast but is still in its development phases and hopefully we will actually make at some point oh yeah it's gonna happen but then also dan has become a full-time all, I mean, listen, we do full-time part-time. It's like, full, that's, full that's, time, that's full-time. We are, I should we, have a t-shirt that says full-time part-time because that part-time. is me. Yep. <laughs> yes. Dan has probably a solid eight, 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 eight to 10 jobs that are like, I you think, know. I think eight is, I think eight is steep, but it's definitely five. It's definitely, definitely five. five. What could be full-time <laughs> jobs. Just, um, and, and I, I've come up with this phrase where it's just like, we're cobbling together in existence. Like we're just, yeah. cob- it's like, you, wait, you want to give me a thousand bucks to do a concert? Great. You want to give me a couple thousand bucks to do this thing? Cool. Can we make a podcast? Yes. We're like, and then eventually at the end of the year, we are s- above the poverty line. And starting to starting to actually pay our bills, which is really nice. I mean, exactly. you get it, Alan, because like you have this full time job and then you have your side hustle. You're still working with Google, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So you get like kind of the multiple hustles and now you have BPN. It's just kind of like that's how the business world works. You have kind of like different entities that are all getting pushed together. But my newest one is just um, is real estate. So I'm kind of building a real estate business. I got my real estate license. I'm really interested in like uh, getting into the investment property space, kind of like a way to funnel any money I could make as an actor into something, maybe doing like a network of Airbnbs or something like that. Not necessarily in like being a real estate agent, but it does fit into all of the other things that I can do, like video and marketing and that stuff. So, you know, uh, you know, Ryan Sir- do you know Ryan Serhant from Million Dollar Listing New York? Uh-huh. That guy, he's yeah. a failed actor. Self-proclaimed failed act. He moved to New York to act and be a hand model, both of which didn't work out, lied his way into million-dollar listing, and now is making multi-million-dollar deals. Uh, I I, I did an event with him the other day. He actually told a story of on his wedding day was a a major deal fell through. So he was like before his his wedding on his phone trying to salvage a deal that wouldn't hold together. And that, be careful of that, because that is not the life I want. And I hope, no. I do not wish that on you. No, yeah. but you know, it's, I, I think about this a lot because uh, work-life balance is a thing that is like really important to a lot of people. And, and <laughs> but, I think- But not me. I don't care. No, I mean, that's, well, yeah, that's, that's where I'm headed. That's where I'm headed. Because listen, like I, I actually, if my days, like when I have my free time, I'm doing other business stuff. Like, I don't know how to not, like, I'm budgeting future projects while I'm watching TV and I'm texting Joe, like, bugging him because he wants to have a work-life balance, but I just don't know how to do that. So, like, I don't want to be texting on my wedding day, but there is there is such a thing as, like, I, I mean, you know, if it works, it works. Like, happiness is your own happiness, and if it, it if 
you know, you manage your own schedules, I guess. I don't know. That's kind of weird. I mean, I'm I don't from. I don't have a good work life balance. I don't are you kidding me? Like you and I are texting at seven o'clock in the morning and then we work and then uh, you're I'm co- like coaching until eleven and I've canceled every single vacation I've ever planned because I get an audition or a job. Like I don't what do you mean work life balance? <laughs> <laughs> but I also think it's so arbitrary. Like, like why why should somebody tell us what our work life balance should be? You know, it's like whatever you it want. It has to be and that that's the thing you, you have to have it be whatever you want it to be. And like yeah. you know, uh, you know, Alan, you have you have, do you have two two kids? One one two, two kids. kids? Yeah, two a four and a six year old, yeah. yeah. Boys, so, two boys. And 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 I'm married and Dan's in a long-term serious relationship too. Like you you we prioritize those people above anything. They are they are like right. my my wife is ever is my is my at whole world. Uh, you know, so if she comes to me and is like, you gotta stop texting Dan at seven o'clock in the morning, then that's how I know that our, the work-life balance is out of whack, <laughs> you know? <laughs> that it's but, gone too right. far, exactly. It's gone too far. You know, uh, we, we have had those conversations. Um, but uh, I don't know. How do you... That, I don't know that now that we got on work-life balance, but Alan, how do you deal with... with? I mean, you have two kids in a pandemic and you have yeah. 14 businesses going. What the What the hell? Yeah. Um, uh, therapy, if I'm being honest. So before... Yeah. before uh, a couple of years ago, I just started seeing a therapist a couple of years ago. Um, and that has helped me realize my motivation for overworking because yeah, yeah, like yeah. Dan, mm-hmm. Dan, I'm a lot like you in, in that I'll be on my, I'll be watching TV with somebody I care about and I'm like, okay, well, I, hold on. I'm thinking about this other thing. Uh, uh, I gotta, I gotta get this email out or whatever the case is. So I'm always uh-huh. trying to now, right consciously be in the moment, be present with who I'm with. Right. But that goes speaks to the larger picture of like why I'm overworking. So to answer your question, Joe, um, it's, it's really just setting boundaries and actually Google is really good about this. They, they give us, uh, extra days off that aren't, that weren't corporate holidays before the pandemic, but they're like every couple Friday, every other, it's like every third Friday, I think we just get it off. And it's like, just, they're not calling it a day off. Just go do whatever you want. And yeah, wow. I I got over. Um, I mean, Google sort of sets the bar for for company culture in the first place in the tech world, which other companies now are starting starting to follow in line with. And you know, like Dan, you've been uh, Joe, you've been there. It's like there's nap pods all over the place, and couches, and free food, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm, and places mm-hmm. to hang out. So you're not expected to be there and work the entire time you're there because that leads to burnout and that leads to uh, uh, being unmotivated. And so I had to get over the fact that um, I felt guilty. It like I'm working at home and literally like I'm one floor above my bedroom and the bathroom's right there. And, and like I can sit right here where I am for 14, 16 hours a day. Yeah. And I don't realize what time it is jumping from you know google in the day and bpn and doing these podcasts and whatever and everything else that's going on and watching the kids and getting them ready for school so actually it's nice for me to have one thing to have the multiple things to jump to because jumping from one thing to the next gives me respite from whatever i was doing previously and especially yeah. with the with the kids like monday comes around I've been with the kids all weekend and they're inside this past couple of weeks because of the freaking snow. 
and so we can't go anywhere and the pandemics everything's closed the museums are closed everything and so like monday comes around i'm like get your asses out of, out of the door get on the bus get to school i just want to go up to my room and i want to go to my room and be quiet for a little bit yeah and yeah now <laughs> yes. now i get on clubhouse i just listen on clubhouse there's a lot of there's a lot of crap on clubhouse but there's some there's a couple gems in there so i'll get in there and just listen i like trying new stuff I just got in on Clubhouse today. It'll it'll be another eight months before Joe gets on Clubhouse. So so we'll we'll address that <laughs> when the time comes. But there's, I'm excited there's to a check very it out. Active, there's a very active podcasting community. Uh, and, and as somebody with an established podcast, you're already ahead of other people on there. Because there's a lot of people on there that are just like, how do I start a podcast? I don't know how to use my at-home equipment. Uh, how do right, I monetize? Right. I don't have a podcast yet. I'm going to make millions tomorrow, like Joe Rogan, right? Like, no, oh, no, Jesus. no, no, no. We're not yeah. allowed to say yeah, his there's... name on our podcast. I might have to bleep that out. <laughs> <laughs> Rogan. <Jogan. laughs> oh gosh, um, <laughs> that is too funny. Um, Alan, what are the what are the future plans for BPN? What are you guys looking at down the down the barrel? Oh goodness, goodness. Well, um. Gosh, I'm trying to think of when this is going to air, what I can talk about. Yeah, we right now we're finding a lot of success with um, with original programming. As the Curtain Rises, completely homegrown original soap opera. Mm-hmm. So radio play soap opera is is one of our best ones now, our uh, most downloaded. And it's all well, next next to guys like musicals, starring, of course, the, like, like guys, guys like, like musicals, musicals number one, first. number That's two. Right, right. Great, great, great. Right, okay. right. Of course, yeah. number one. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> and, and yeah, we're finding a lot of a lot of people love this stuff. And um, even from a production standpoint, uh, Homecoming on I believe it was Wondery. I forget if it's Wondery or Earwolf. One of the other networks made this podcast, this original radio play called Homecoming. That then I believe it was Amazon. It was Gimbal. Yeah, wasn't it? Oh, was it Gim- Gimlet? It was Gimbal. Gimlet. 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 Yes. Gimlet, yes. Yeah, that's sold so Gim- to Spotify. Exactly. Right. So Gimlet, um, uh, uh, somebody came to them and they turned it into a, a series on Hulu, I believe. Or no, Amazon. Amazon, Amazon Prime. Yeah. So yep. that whole thing, is, so we're, we're eyeing the creation of more original content that's that can push the boundaries and be later co- uh, converted into either a stage production when theater comes back or just straight up you know, like Netflix now, right? Like Dory, the co-founder, she's she's got a relationship with Netflix through through the prom and Ryan Murphy. So like that those conversations are starting. And it's it's an exciting time cool. for podcasting in general because I don't know if you, it, if anybody and this might be the most boring thing in the world for those listening right now, but the there were seventeen thousand podcasts launched a week in twenty twenty. A week wow. seventeen thousand. So pandemic people, hit. people be bored, <laughs> people be bored. The average 30 day download for a single episode in 2020 was, uh, was around 130 full stop, not thousand, not hundred, 130. So we're better than that, Joe. <laughs> And that's all the time we have, bud. <laughs> that's that's fiftieth percentile. But the but the wow. like the wealth gap, the top one percent are responsible for like ninety nine percent of all the podcast downloods, right? Like Joe Rogan and yeah. Dak Shepard. It's like the daily and, and yeah, yeah, yeah. So so now it's right. it's this thing, and I'm sure you're experiencing experiencing this too. Is how do you break outside your own echo chamber? How do you get new right. listeners? 
that are not the same ones you're preaching to on your social media channels day after day. And as a network, that's and a challenge. And I, I find it... Yeah, go, I didn't mean to cut you off. As, an, as a network, you, you find that you're having no, to net, continue net, to push the boundaries? Yeah, as a network, that's a challenge too because you know we're we're sort of like we were talking about a while ago with your guys who like musicals and I am the theater podcast and we are the Broadway podcast network, but we're so much more mm-hmm. than that. And mm-hmm. so... You know, there, there's, there's more, there's more to it. We've got um, video content that we're about to launch. We've got some, uh, some new technology, like some uh, iOS app technology that we're about to launch. And all of this is, is going to be launched, it'll be out soon. So I'm okay talking about it. But, uh, and we've got original, more original content talking about, but, but we're always trying to think about like, how do we reach that person who has never who, who didn't know about us before. Like, how do we get to that person who was like me three years ago up at 3 a.m. and searching for content that they can't find? And what kind of content are they looking for? How do we bring that to them? So I I would love, if anybody from, uh, from Roku is listening, I want to make a Roku app so we could have a Roku channel for BPN content. Um, Right now, yep. we haven't launched it, but it's been it's been out there for a couple for about a week. I quietly just rolled it out. If you go to our YouTube channel, um, there's BPN Radio that's twenty four seven episodes playing right now of our content. So it's a twenty four seven live stream right now. Um, wow! So we're gonna we'll throw some guys who likes musicals episodes into the mix. Sweet. Um, so that- so that way, obviously, people who can stumble through the live streams will find that stuff. They can listen to it in real time because YouTube, amazingly, being a visual platform, people still go there for audio-only content. Right. Crazy. Right? So I mean, I go, to, I go to YouTube for everything. I'm a huge fan. Yeah, there's, yeah. That's, that's an interesting... You, you bring up an interesting point there. I'm really curious to see how... Because there's only a certain amount of people who listen to podcasts, too. Like, the actual... When you think about there's so many that were started every week, but there's still only a certain percentage of the population that actually listens to podcasts. Like the potential yeah. market share of podcasting is much larger than than it is right now. Um, and future generations like may or may not actually be engaged in it. Like I described it to one of our clients as just on-demand radio. They were like, I don't know what podcasting is. And I was like, well, it's just a radio show on demand. You can just watch it whenever you want. Listen whenever you want. Yeah. But I think it's interesting exactly. to try and figure out how you can break down barriers of, of, you know, who listens to podcasts, who listens to theater podcasts, and at the same time kind of keep up with taste. Because I know personally, I listen to a certain podcast for six to eight months, and then I'm kind of like, okay, that did its purpose. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. I, 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 my, I'm say, I say a lot to people. I say people come to a new podcast. They come for the guests. They stay for the host. So yeah, you want to get the guest you want to get your guests to promote you right and then they and then so that's why like hopefully what we're doing right now with this episode our listeners who didn't know about each other are going to start subscribing to both of us and then everybody's right. that much happier and right. because we we can talk to the same person we've each talked to patty murin and we've had right. completely different conversations everybody who talks to the same guest can have a different conversation and i think there's there's a lot more to be told from different podcasters uh, it's just number of time in the day. But to your point about saturation, th- oh God, I, I forget these stats, but it's like the uh, the world. Oh, so the majority of podcasts, like 60% of podcasts globally are consumed via Apple devices. Mm-hmm. And 
And the next closest single consumer is Spotify at around 8%. And then then and then below Whoa. that, I believe is Stitcher at like one or two. So there's a big discrepancy. Apple still got the lion's share of the way people listen. And the reason behind that is because from the beginning, near the beginning, Apple always had iTunes built into their phones. So mm-hmm. you got an iPhone, you had immediately a way to listen to a podcast. Whereas Android devices, the majority of the world, the more of the world has Android devices than they do iPhone devices. But because Google has yet to put a default podcast player into Android, you still have to take that extra step of understanding what you're doing and downloading Google Podcasts or CastBox or whatever other player, Spotify, whatever other player you're going to use. So that's why Apple has that leg up. And I and I think it's they're, they're, it's in their very best interest to maintain that leg up. And I don't think they're doing a good job of it, if I'm being honest, to, because mm. Spotify is chipping away at them. Every oh, yeah. month, there's a little bit more. And, mm-hmm. and I don't know if Spotify is going to get back their investment, especially with like Joe Rogan investment, whatever that exclusivity deal was. I forget what it is. But uh, yeah. the the business side of this is huge because the market share for people who A, don't have iPhones yet, um, B, those who have iPhones, only 10% of those iPhone users have ever used their phone to listen to an iP- to a podcast. So there's the remaining 90%, however many hundreds of millions wow. of people Whoa. holding their podcast player in their hand who have never listened to a podcast. And then there's the Android pl- users on top of that that have right. never downloaded a podcast app. So the the potential for growth is tremendous right now. Right. And... And so we're kind of at the precipice of this massive uh, shift in on-demand radio content and radio play. So right now, 2020, because of the pandemic, this is what I was going to say, is people had time to take a step back and say, like, what am I doing with my time right now? I just lost my job or I don't have to go to work or I'm working from home, whatever. So people, 17,000 people a week started a new podcast. So I think in a few months, maybe a year, the majority of those are going to be dead because they're not going to be the overnight sensations they expected to be. And then all of a sudden we're going to be back to, uh, you know, there'll be some good ones that come out of it. I'm sure. But, um, the, the, I think that the number of people, um, new people that listen to a podcast for the first time every day is rising at the same rate. Whereas we saw, we've seen this massive spike of content that's just going to fall off again. So, I don't know if you've seen your numbers flatline or maybe even decline in the last few months because more people are trying out other podcasts. Mm. But as those go away and don't remain, people are going to come back to the old tried and true stuff. I have gotten the sense that you and I are simpatico in the way that you talk about people who are quitters and people who want to be successful fast. It seems like you have that spine in you that just wants to keep pushing. Like, what's that about? Have you always been like that? Like, how do you mm-hmm. push yourself to kind of keep? staying motivated even if you don't see results or, or how do you focus on results i think it's it's a willful ignorance for failure um <laughs> i nice. i have i just refuse to to think that i can fail or when i do i'm like oh oh well now i'll do it again and i'll do it better because the root mm. of all of this is i need to be liked and i need to be appreciated and I feel internally, and I know this isn't true. My rational brain is like, you're an idiot. You know, this isn't like this. But my 
my the same thing that needs me that makes me need to be on stage and get applause from standing on stage in front of thousands of people uh says if you do good things people are going to like you more and so i feel like a failure means that people won't like me therefore i won't allow myself to fail so even if i do not meet mm-hmm. a goal i will go back learn from what i did wrong and then go do it again so that's mm. that that's the whole that's that's my my internal struggle it's it's the you know the angel and the demon right and the demon is always like you know you're not good enough you're hanging out with these broadway people you got this podcast people listen to you got these jobs you're working at one of the greatest tech companies in the world you're really a complete failure though <laughs> like that's that's my struggle pretty much daily same yeah um same it, it, it's interesting because what what you do do is that you take responsibility when something doesn't work. You also take responsibility in a way that may not be totally healthy to an extent. I right? think it's we, the, which we like all the masochistic like actor thing. Yeah. Like even though you still like you were you 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 now transitioned <laughs> to podcasting and to to working and you know for for in tech, it's like no, we all still put our hand back on the fire over and over and over again. You know, we don't, f- even if we fail, we rationalize ourselves away from, so it's not failure. No, it's like, I didn't get that job, but like that, I didn't want that job anyway. And now we're moving, you know, through, through life. But I don't know. I think that that is, that creates an opportunity, like you said, to just learn and move forward as opposed to get paralyzed by fear of failing, you know, because you said one, you said earlier that what's his nuts from from million dollar listing is a failed actor and i don't think there's any i don't think there's such a thing i right. i i adamantly believe that that there is no such thing as a failed actor because if you go out and you do one show then you're you know you go out and do one thing you're an actor and and you've succeeded in a way if i quit tomorrow i'm not going to be a failed actor if i had quit hmm. back you know, but you know back right after i graduated if i if i never went to musical theater college if i didn't you know I just don't, I don't know. I agree with you, Joe. I think it, I think that, that line of thinking comes from a different generation and that's a generational Mm. difference between like people being defined as their careers. And I don't think, I think personally, obviously I think that's bullshit. I have eight careers. There is no such thing as a failed actor. You're an actor now. You may be an actor later, but you you know, you're just doing different things. Someday (laughs) you might be an actor again. (laughs) Acting's not going anywhere. And you know, yeah, right. We don't have right. to define yeah. ourselves in this. I, would, like, I had this title. high school, this teacher. I had this teacher in high school who he was the physics teacher, and he was in his in his life up to being the physics teacher. He had been a lawyer, and he had been a commercial airline pilot, and now right. he was a, he was the the physics teacher. And I was like, "But you're a lawyer," and he was like, "No, I have a law degree. I was a lawyer." And I have my pilot's license. Wait, so you're a pilot? No, I was. I was a. I am a pilot, but I'm not. Right. You know what I mean? And like, right. We don't think that's crazy because we're all singer, dancer, actor, blah blah blah. But you have like fourteen thousand hats you have to wear to just like get health insurance. But like for normal people, <laughs> it's like I, I think that that Dan, you're so right. This being defined by your career thing, I think, is not. You know, I think we're breaking away from that. Yeah, I think I think we're we're totally in the world now where everyone. My thing for actors right now is like my best advice and the things I'm starting to make videos about on my YouTube channel now is like, you need to find your side hustle. And if you can find a side hustle that's not in a restaurant, you're going to be better off because you probably can find a way to be a little bit more fulfilled 
than just serving and waiting tables, which is, is, is a definitely a respectable life and a respectable future, but it doesn't work for everyone. And it, it isn't the only option, you know, you can right. definitely go. Yeah. And we come out of school thinking and, a lot of times like that's the, that's right. the option. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of, I mean, restaurant, restaurant is such late hours most of the time that you can't get up. You just don't have the energy or when yep. you do, you're just dead, dead for those 6 a.m. EPAs. Yeah. So Dan and I worked together. Another one of the jobs, I mean, we we catered together between jobs and there were two. Well, there was one night first I, working in restaurants. I've, I've worked in a million restaurants and catered my whole life. My mom had a catering company for a long time. And like I have such respect for that work across the board the two most fun nights that i ever had catering were with dan one we we were bartenders lots of fun no we had we were were bartending (laughs) we were bartending at an alexander wang uh fashion week event it was a party (laughs) and we were just there to like sling it was like an arena show there was like like kendall jenner was there we were slinging drinks at the main bar i always tried to get the main bar (laughs) go ahead joe (laughs) <laughs> no, but it was one of the best nights ever. And, and, and all, and then the other time we were bartending or, or like Dan was bartending and I was do, I was like cleaning the toilets for, uh, it was a, it was a dinner. It was a dinner for Tom Hanks and or, yeah, it was dinner for Tom Hanks and, uh, uh, Leon Bridges, Leon performed. Bridges performed. and it was it was the wall street journal uh like awards dinner and and we should have gotten fired but we stood there do you remember dan we're standing behind this bar we're not supposed to be there we're supposed to be working somewhere else and leon bridge is up there playing river by himself with his guitar Mm -hmm. and i was like i don't care if i get fired i'm gonna watch this man sing this song this is one of my favorite artists and he's up there he's this close to me and the captain was coming around like, what are you guys doing here? And it was like, uh, we're, we're, we're getting glasses for this, this bar. And the, the captain was like, you're not supposed to be doing that. <laughs> it was like, no, we're actually. <laughs> and I said, I said, don't worry, John. He's with me. He's with me. We'll be fine. We'll, we'll be right with you. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. What are, oh, um, I did a lot of catering. Fired. We should have I had a fired. lot of catering so stories. hard. Um, oh my God. Yeah. I catered. Actually, it's funny now. I served uh, my biggest catering of it. Did you work the Ralph Lauren birthday party, Joe? No. I don't think so. No. I think you were, I think you were in, I think you were out of town maybe doing that show you did. Uh, uh, Alabama? The, the, um, because of Win Dixie. Yeah. The, because of Win Dixie yeah. that uh, uh, Duncan Sheik wrote. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I served. Ralph Lauren's birthday party at the main table. It was Jessica Chastain, Anna Wintour, Ralph Lauren and his wife, and Army Hammer. Oh, oh my goodness! <laughs> oh God! And I said, "Do you want the vegan option?" And he said, "Absolutely not." So, um, <laughs> <laughs> that no, that was a joke. That was a joke, not to make light of that. But Jessica Chastain was vegan and she's really nice. I feel like, uh, yeah, catering was, a, was an interesting way to make money, but also not, not my Wait, am I allowed world. to laugh that hard at that joke? I don't think so. Uh, we might have to cut that. <laughs> Dan and I are guys who like musicals and we've always been guys who like musicals. The point of this show, I think for us in the long run, is that there's a lot of guys and men and women who don't do musicals, who don't have anything to do with musicals, who like them. And... 
growing up, we were the guys who played on the hockey team who also liked musicals, and that was weird. And but when we told the the people that like, oh, we also like this is a part of us that is that is real, they they would say, oh, that's kind of cool. Like I I saw Les Mis one time. That is the only qualifier that like gets you in the club of someone who likes musicals. So my hope is like in my perfect world, someday I would love to talk to Barack Obama about why he chose to bring Hamilton to the White House, why he loves musical theater, like th like that sort of thing. There are millions of people in the world who sort of like or super like musicals that don't happen to be in it. What's fun about us, about our show right now, I find is like we're still talking to our friends. We're talking to our colleagues. We're talking to people we've worked with or people that are one degree of separation away from us. But that's my hope is that the show becomes guys who like musicals, and then they're like, why is Hillary Clinton on the show? And it's like, well, yeah, because, I don't know, we're big and fancy enough that, like, you know, <laughs> we call... Well, and H Hillary Clinton's yeah. perfect because she loves musicals. Yes, right, and, right. like, she came to see Frozen and couldn't have been nicer. But, like, you know, right. that's sort you of... That's I, the stuff that I, that I see us, you know... I, I want to go to a place, and I, I agree with you, that I think that, that that there's a lot to explore there. And I want to get into, this is the nerd side of me, into the psychology behind why people like musicals. Like somebody like a, like a neurologist, like 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 talk to talk to like that kind of understanding. It, I don't or? know. Like I, this is this is actually something where I've wanted to do some more research. If anybody listening has any suggestions, write me at feedback at the theaterpodcast .com. Um, <laughs> Let me know because I I want to talk to some people who are into the science behind uh, behind why we are so addicted to music and performing. Because there's a vibration to it, right? But what is the science behind that? What's what's going on chemically in our heads? Why do we, why do why are some people uh, yeah. relate to Hamilton and some people relate to Cinderella and some people can't get enough of Wicked or you know I I want to mm. there have been no studies that I am aware of as to why people chemically are addicted to these shows. Like what is the dopamine response to sitting in the third row watching an opening night performance of blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. It sounds like a really good documentary. It really does. And and so our brains cannot... <laughs> Dan, you want another job? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like he's, he's, like, he's like, wait a minute, we have the... Yeah, we'll talk later. Does anybody know a behavioral psychologist? <laughs> yeah. Seriously, seriously, I'll, I love that it's because logical there's a lot of stuff. I had a conversation with my dad about I, I, my dad loves country music and has always loved country music and he loves show tunes. And one time we like put the pieces together. He's like talking to me, you know, he's like fully embraced my musical theater nerdiness and he's like fully paying for the tuition for musical theater college. And he's like, you know, I love this theater song and this and he's always liked country music. And I think that there is something in theater where like there's that crossover just to have a beginning, middle, and end. I started here, something happened, something else happened, and now I'm it's changed. Story. You know, in that story, that true story that like exists in in Arlo Guthrie and you know all those Grand Old Opry people. You know, and like the the music of that era, I think, was so story driven um, that I think there's a real crossover there that people don't even realize. But yeah, I I would love to. I want to hear that interview with your behavioral psychologist about me too. Why people like musicals? Yeah, yeah. And when when COVID hit, uh, 
actually going back to something we were talking about earlier with the like numbers overall because of lack of commuting podcasting as an industry the numbers went down and we were mm-hmm. very aware of that but bpn actually saw double digit growth during that initial shutdown because not a pe- big deal well people people <laughs> wanted it, it relates to what we were just talking about nbd we were <laughs> People wanted the yeah. arts. People immediately were feeling those chemical withdrawals of not being able to go see shows and not being able to connect with these performers. And so they were turning to the first thing they could get their hands on, which is their in their, you know, their their on demand radio. In their hands. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, literally in their hands, their podcast with their favorite actors and actresses and creatives and whoever the case may be. So that's since leveled off as as things have sort of normalized here in this weird strange time we now find ourselves in Mm -hmm. but it was really really interesting to us and that's that's sort of where i got the idea for all of this to go down the behavioral science route and the chemical route of just you know we know we care people sometimes people feel it in their bones like i just have to be on stage i have to act i have to sing but that comes from something we are just organic beings that are, are are a bunch of molecules bouncing around inside you know our physical body and what is it about that that makes us have to be on stage yeah yeah the have to be on stage one i think is a is a more a question about just like insurmountable egos but there is definitely (laughs) there is definitely a question i mean i have had a chemical response to musicals in the form of head to toe chills when i really connect or feel in, in like impacted by a musical since I was in the fifth grade, like since I can remember, I've, I, when I really connect to what's happening in a musical, I get goosebumps from literally head all the way down my back. So there's got to be something yeah. chemically there. So I'm yeah. hooked. I think that's an awesome idea. I, I, I'm, I'm in. Let me know if we can yeah. help. I, I think there's something, I think, I think there's something to like just the, the spectrum of addiction addiction and like addictive personalities as far as performing is concerned because it is it is an absolute drug yeah you know yeah for sure and i think i think that you know i was listening to to the i mean so I, I, we dan and i both love smartless uh, and that podcast that came out this year and they were talking to brendan shanahan the former the hockey player brendan shanahan talking about like how athletes have that athletes have this singular focus and they, they get their, their, their rush and their, you know, their drive from this one singular thing that when that thing is taken away, a lot of them can fall into destructive tendencies Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. they don't have it anymore. And so I think that that happens with artists and actors too. It's like when you know how to perform, you know how to sing, you know how to play your instrument or paint or whatever. And then if that's taken away, what do you fill that gap with? You know, what do you fill the space with? And hopefully it's something good for a lot of people. It's not, you know, I don't know. Maybe that that goes back to the failed actor thing because you're feeling the depression, you're feeling anxiety, however you internally manifest that. And right. you feel like a failure, whether you are or not from the outside, you still feel like you're you're not getting what you want, so you feel like you failed. Right. Right. There you there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're getting into some science about this. I want to know, uh, Alan, what's your, do you have a favorite interview that you've done? Favorite person you've talked to? Oh, goodness. Um, 
Well, Joe Carroll, episode 21, of course. <laughs> nice. Uh, <laughs> this one. <laughs> this one. Yeah. Um, no, I actually, I like lots for different reasons. Um, Patty, Patty Murin was, is one of my favorites because that was the first time, um, that was the first time I talked with somebody about like as openly as she talks about anxiety, her own anxiety Mm. and like having panic attacks on stage and stuff. That was the first time that I allowed myself to go somewhere, uh, a lot as deep as my guest was going. Mm. Um, because I have OCPD, which is obsessive compulsive personality disorder, not OCD, completely different thing. So basically, it's can't see the forest through the trees, and I'll I can get hi- so hyper focused on some detail on a detail sometime that I just don't see the big picture, and like I'll find myself hours later like, wait, why did I just spend all that time on that? That's not a big deal, and so mm-hmm. that's part of the therapy and whatnot. But so that was the fir- mm. the first time I had ever publicly talked about that was with Patty because she made me feel comfortable enough to do it. Cool. And so that still sticks out as one of my favorites. Um, Isabella Rossellini, just because it's Isabella Rossellini, that was <laughs> super, super cool. Um, right as COVID hit, uh, I started the Quarantine Takeover. So I interviewed all the, the six queens. That was super, mm. super cool, because they're just like, that's a show where so empowering. They're all friends. They all like each other. And you can tell by watching it. Did, you, did either of you get to see it? No. no. Like you can watch when you watch them on stage, they're there to support each other. And the story is a support is a female empowerment story right. where they're all supporting each other. And you can tell when they're together and when they talk about each other that there's genuine love for one another. And it, it mm. was just really cool to see all that come out. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. So and then outside of that, back in December, I interviewed Matthew McConaughey for Google, and that that was a lot of fun. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. What about you guys? He had a really good Smartless episode, Joe. Did you listen? No, it was no. Dak Shepard. It was Dak oh. Shepard. He was yeah. on Armchair Expert. Yeah, and that guy yeah. is a freaking character. Um, oh, I love Dax. Dax is my Dax is my real quick. Dax is my my people. Are like, who's your ultimate guest? Who would you love to have? Dax is my number one guest. I would love to interview. Yeah. Totally, yeah, that'd be cool. He's yeah, so, like an awesome. Yeah. Guy. Who is your right, favorite so, interview that you've done, and who is your most who is your most coolest person you'd like to interview? Ooh, uh, Ooh favorite favorite so far, and dream interview. Got it. Uh, got it. Um, I think the day. I mean, for me, the day we got to interview Gavin Creel was cool for us because Gavin was kind of this uh, guiding light for the two of us, uh, especially for me. I mean, I've been listening to him like regularly since 2005 and to have him then on my podcast in my living room was a crazy day. And we acted like a bunch of idiots and it kind of felt like it gave the show some legitimacy. (laughs) That was, that was over just over a year ago. And now like, you know, now we're I'm like teaching him how to self tape. The whole world is just upside down, and and I can kind of like <laughs> thank <laughs> the show for just kind of giving me an a, an outlet for that. And and that's you know that has I thank Gavin for coming on, and Shoshana Bean came on really early, and like all of that kind of friends doing friends favors was was really helpful for us but there have been some really great ones some surprising guests that you know you really like end up 
having a conversation that you didn't expect. Like we just, we just released Nick Blameyer and Nick has been a mentor to us as a writer and, and he's just like a very deep person. So I always like the deep conversations. That's usually like where I gravitate. Um, yeah, yeah. I think for me, top of list, I don't know, Joe, who's your favorite guest? And I'm gonna think about who my, yeah, I, my favorite, I, w- I would totally agree. And we've talked about that before that like the Gavin episode, was completely surreal. It made us feel legit. He is the warmest human being on the planet and made, we, we still feel like imposters on a daily hourly basis. And, mm-hmm. and he just made us, he, he made us feel like equals and, and really, I think empowered us to to keep going to this point because now we're like, okay, cool. If we can talk to Gavin Creel, we can talk to anybody. Um, and, mm-hmm. but my favorite, honestly, I had two, one was Robin Herder. Because she's such a de- she became such a dear friend to to she's me just after my, my in general yeah mm-hmm. after my experience uh, working on Moulin Rouge uh, off uh, in Boston and um, uh, in the workshop we just became like absolute buddy homies and and I I love her and so that was really fun to just connect with her because I hadn't seen her in a long time and she was so funny and I think she had like two. She had like two Long Island iced teas while we were talking to her. <laughs> she sure did. And like, I'm gonna make right. another one. I'm gonna make another one. This is really fun. Let's just keep talking. So that was great. Um, and I like the I like the goofy. I really go. I I like the I love getting deep with people, but I really love when we can laugh and have a good time. Um, I and so I love those episodes. And then my I, when Dan and I uh, um, argued about the Music Man. Oh, uh, that's a good one. We had that episode. We did a, a segment for uh, uh, previously. We did a segment where we just broke down our favorite shows, and we were talking about like the shows that made us want to do this and what we love about them. And we talked to Matt Doyle about Company, and we talked to Benton Whitley about Into the Woods. And we just had an episode where Dan was like, "The Music Man is the greatest musical of all time." Fight me <laughs> so on the, it. The week, the week <laughs> prior, we'd done. Uh, we had Will Burton on the show for the second time. We talked about the Hello Dolly movie because we we found the same thing. We were like, we want to kind of talk talk about stuff on the show that that doesn't focus on the pandemic. So let's just talk about movie musicals. Great. So we started right. like a movie musical segment. We talked about Hello Dolly with Will Burton, and I do not like the Hello Dolly. And Joe and Will think <laughs> it is the best shit that has ever happened on the planet. And so sure enough, the next week we went to my favorite musical, which was The Music Man, and I was like, be careful. That's how I started the episode. Be careful about what you say <laughs> because we're about to fight. And we just had like an absolute battle royale because Joe thinks parts of the music man is stupid. And I think he's stupid. So that was a, that was a, that's a good call, Joe. That was a great episode. It was so fun. We may have it to do really, like a really musical fun. theater um, Smackdown live show. I think that's got to be in the cards for us at some point. It's like having that's, guests that's where, on like, the, to fight about what their favorite musical is head to head, I think would be a funny like well and it's just, like just, just differing kind of opinions up. yeah Ooh. yeah like like to to throw out like you know the you know the issue on the table is right you know whatever but you know you gotta lay miz and then somebody in the pro side somebody on the con side and just fight about it and i think it could mm-hmm. be really funny so we want to do that um i think that dream guests for me like like i this is this is gonna sound stupid I already said Barack Obama and I said Hillary Clinton that the, the mountain that's about the top of the mountain, but I want to talk to people like that. Anybody who I, I think that people who have spent their life in public service 
for one particular party are the are just I, I I'm so <laughs> I'm so in awe of what they do, and so I just would love to like actually get to interview somebody who is like that because like I. Yes. So yeah. that's, 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 that's what I would love. And then somebody and the same ilk, like to get to interview Patrick Mahomes, to get to interview Sidney Crosby, to get to interview, you know, Tiger Woods or something mm. like people, I don't know. I just like people who mm. have absolutely nothing to do with what we do, who happen to be like, oh yeah, like I kind of watched, you know, the Into the Woods movie a bunch when I was a kid. Okay, cool. Sidney Crosby. Great talking with you. Like that. I don't know. <laughs> That's that's me. So yeah, what do you think? That's good. AOC, she's local. Yes, AOC for sure. I'm sure Um, she likes musicals. I yeah. I think like for for depth, Jim Carrey. Oh, okay. And for musical theater royalty, Hugh Jackman. Oh my Mm. god, the original guy who likes musicals. Hugh Hugh should be doable, especially when they. When they need to do press for for Music Man, there you go. Whenever Broadway comes back, <laughs> you can be like, we're not going to mention Scott Rudin. But you, Hugh, you like musicals and the Music Man. Uh, I Dan, that is such a good idea. Yep. And also, he's best friends with Max Clayton, and we're best friends with Max Clayton. So that we can, we are we are one degree of separa- one separation degree. away <laughs> from the president of musical theater. That's right. <laughs> I along those lines, I'd like to have NPH. Neil Patrick yeah. Harris would be yeah. a lot of fun. I think. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Oh Neil Patrick gosh. Harris, of course. Lynn, if Lynn wanted to be on mine, I'd be like, all right, let me pencil you in. But yeah, he's too busy yeah. working for Disney now. He, you know, he's he's tied up. He's got an overall. He's got he's got too much to do. But it yeah. would be cool to that. have him. He's he's also a genius. I really I've really loved that show on Netflix that breaks down the song. Yes, that he yes. did. Um, I don't know if you saw that, but if anybody hasn't seen that yet, I don't know what it's called. But it's a documentary show that breaks down uh, songs by artists, and they did one on Lynn, and it's Lynn and uh, Tommy. Uh, no, mm-hmm. it's Lynn and um, Alex Lackmore. It's really good. There's three questions I normally ask people to end my <laughs> interviews. I want to ask you one of the three because it should be a short answer. If you could see any musical, any sorry, any show for the rest of your life, but you can see it as many times as you want, what would you see? Sunday in the Park with George. Passing Why? Strange. I think, I don't, I don't remember what you said, Joe. I should go back and listen to it. See if you give the same answer now as you did in episode 21. I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that I would have said Passing Strange. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, cool. I, probably, yeah. Dan, Dan, why, why Sunday? I think that Sunday is about the, the, the condition of an artist, not the human condition, but the artist condition, what it means to be a creative person and to be so dedicated to, it's actually thematically very similar to Hamilton. There, there are like ties to this idea of being obsessed with your art and having it like not get in the way of or being obsessed with the thing that you do and having get in the way of how the rest of the world functions for you. And that show kind of confirmed for me at a time when I wasn't sure whether or not I wanted to keep pursuing this professionally, that show kind of turned, turned it around for me and I could listen to it forever, see it forever. That could, that, that tie into Hamilton. That was awesome. The connection between I'd never put that together. I'd of course, of course, Hamilton is inspired by Sunday in the Park with George. That was great. I think it has to be. I, I don't think I no, thought about that until the second, but it totally is. A hundred percent. 
Yeah, you're so right. And then, yeah, for me, it's uh, Passing Strange was the show that, and the the movie, the, the Spike Lee filming that that took me from questioning whether or not I wanted to do this for the rest of my life when I was a junior in college. I saw that show and I was like, that is what I want to make. It is also a show about the artist experience and art getting in the way of relationships and how, you know, only love is real. Anyway, we did a whole episode on it. So I think most people know how I yeah, feel cool. about that show. What about you, Alan? I I'm I think I'm going to have to go with, and this is pretty cliche, I think I'm going to have to go with Rent. Yep. Because mm-hmm. it was what, turned it was so new and so different for me that i was into musicals before that like i listened to chicago and phantom soundtrack and i grew up watching singing in the rain music man and west side story vhs tapes but then rent is when i the first time i ever got obsessed with something because Mm. again that was something that spoke to me and i still don't quite know why and that's the chemical thing that I would love to know. So whenever I, I, I think back on Rent with a nostalgia of, you know, especially now as a parent, looking back at my kids and seeing the things they enjoy, I look back at the nostalgia that, that uh, of, a, of a time when things were just good and things were just easy. And I didn't have mm-hmm. to worry about adulting, you know? Mm-hmm. You could so. just you could sing about what it's like to not pay your rent, but not even know what you were talking about. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing, Alan. Thank you, thank you, thank you for for our for everything for including us in BPN. We yeah. you are you are the OG theater podcast. We are following in your footsteps. We love you. For our listeners, check out his. For the listeners of the theater podcast, come check out ours, please. Yes, yes, please check out Guys Who Like Musicals. There will be links in the show notes of of the feeds. I've loved this conversation. This has been this has been so different for me, and I really appreciate it. And thank you both for taking the time to do this. Absolutely. Us too, man. Thank yeah. you for everything. Make sure to find me online on Instagram and Twitter at theater underscore podcast. Find me on the web at thetheaterpodcast.com. Please leave a rating, leave a review, share the podcast with a friend of yours. That's how this podcast grows. Everybody, please subscribe to Guys Who Like Musicals. Special, special thanks to Joe and Dan for such an incredible and interesting conversation and to give us all a little bit of something different here to listen to. Everybody have a wonderful day. Take a deep breath, make the world a little colorful. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.